what we're doing is we're training Facebook to bring us crap leads because mm. we had, what is that? Something like 2,000, 3,000 leads that never turned into a trial that Facebook was saying, yeah, we're doing the right thing. We're sending you good people. And they were not. And mm -hmm. so what we need to start doing is take that middle of funnel conversion or that end of funnel conversion, or even that revenue over lifetime and send that back into Facebook. So we need to be able to identify who are the, where are the good campaigns, who are the good people coming into our funnel, send that information back to Facebook. So they bring us more of those people and not people who are just kicking the tires or signing up for a free PDF or any of that kind of stuff. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the High Level Spotlight Sessions, where we showcase awesome marketers doing awesome marketing. Today, I'm excited to be joined by Keith Perhack. He's the founder and CEO of Segmetrics, a middle-of-funnel business analytics tool. Keith, thank you so much for coming on the show. Chase, thanks for having me, man. Been looking forward to this. Yeah, likewise. It's good to see you again. It's always nice to get to chat. Um, mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of our community have probably already heard of Segmetrics, so I'm excited to uh, to chop it up with you today. It's, it's a happy surprise. Uh, we met at TNC, and I would go to all these conferences and all these talks and stuff and be like, I'm Keith from Segmetrics. Let me tell you about what we do. And they're like, we use you. I'm like, that's great. Awesome. <laughs> great that's surprise. <laughs> exactly. I mean, give us, uh, for those of you who have never heard of Segmetrics, um, give us the quick breakdown. You know, when you hear, I feel like, the majority of folks that we talk to on this show are top of funnel. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so to hear somebody describe what they do specifically as middle of the funnel uh, is kind of fun and refreshing. Yeah. So we are a business analytics tool. We're very similar to what you'd see in Google Analytics or Facebook Analytics or something like that. We're measuring the effect of your advertising and the effect of your marketing on a end of customer journey dollar value. So we're able to say things like, People who come in from Facebook are worth $50. People who come in from Google are worth $30. And what does that funnel look like? And mm -hmm. that's what most people do. That's the top of funnel. And what we do is we take that top of funnel stuff and combine it with the things that they're doing during the nurture sequence, during the sales call. So mm -hmm. people from Facebook have a 30% chance of getting on a sales call. If they get on a sales call with Bob, Bob has a 70% chance of closing it. They get, they're worth uh, $300 for everyone who talks to Bob from Facebook. So you're able to see what is the happy path that goes through your funnel and what in that funnel, in that customer journey makes people worth more money and what makes people worth less money. You guys have a really cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna share my screen real quick. You guys have a really cool graphic on the website that I feel like paints a, a pretty yep, that's clear picture. That's the money shot right there. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. Let me back you up a little bit, Keith. Um, yeah, did you have an agency at some point in your career? Yeah, so I did the agency work for about ten years, um, okay. working specifically with info products and SaaS uh, creators, and Segmetrics was actually born out of our needs as an agency because what was happening is we were, you know, we were doing all these very complicated funnels. We had to export all this data from all these systems, everything from Infusionsoft, Active Campaign, Stripe, Facebook, blah, 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 all these click data, giant pivot tables, right? To find out what is the value of any step on that funnel for this mm -hmm. customer segment. And it took hours. And we're like, this is just data. We have access to all the data. We should just be able to get a computer to do this for us. 
And that's where Segmetrics was kind of born from. And our clients started seeing it. They were like, hey, can we get a login? So we're like, oh, sure, let us build a login. And then they started inviting their friends and they were like, hey, Bob over here wants to use this. And they're like, okay, let's add billing. And mm. that's how Segmetrics came about. Eventually it got bigger than the agency. And then uh, now we're a software company. <laughs> that's I love the story. I think it's, in my experience, I feel like <laughs> reporting is sort of like this... Uh, this thing we don't really want to talk a ton about in the agency world because it is so hard. And it's kind of like, I feel like most agencies push it to the point where they're getting enough reporting where everyone feels kind of comfortable and they're like, cool, don't, don't, nobody touch it. Nobody even look at it. We're good. We're going to roll with this. Yep. Because it is so darn complicated. I mean, even at high level where we kind of bring a lot of things into one place it's still really hard to get accurate reporting from an ad all the way down to what, you know, the end result. And you mentioned something I think is, it sounds really obvious when I'm going to say this, but like, it's not just the ad to the conversion, right? There's a lot of stuff in between. And just because the ad started in Facebook, that stuff that happens in between is going to have a major impact on whether or not it converts. Exactly. And especially, I mean, Less so for e-com, but especially agencies, anything with deal pipelines. So anyone using high level, it's there's so mm -hmm. much that's happening not on the web, right? There's sales calls, there's mm -hmm. emails that they're clicking. And people think, oh, emails are on the web. They're not, right? They're in a browser, they're in a um in Gmail or on your phone or some other device. Like mm -hmm. it's not part of something that Facebook and all of them can easily track. So you need something that can really dial in natively to your CRM, to something like high level and read that data in and understand, okay, where did this person come from originally? And what are they doing to turn into a customer at the end? And has this gotten more challenging for you guys after the iOS 14 update? It was interesting because it got a lot more challenging for Facebook and a lot easier for us. Um, the, awesome. Yeah, it was, it was actually a huge windfall for us. Uh, we were, everyone in the marketing industry was really scared. Um, but at the end of the day, what happened was Apple really screwed over Facebook. And that's about it. Because our tracking is separate from the main Facebook tracking. We never trusted Facebook tracking. And so we always had our own tracking on top of that to kind of say, okay, Facebook says you got 800 people. You only got 200 new ones in high level. Obviously, they're lying. Now let's figure out what actually happened. Um, yeah. And so we've ne we've never trusted those web only, especially Facebook numbers. And one of the things that's very important for us is being able for any report to drill down and say, okay, this says we have 200 people who click this ad, show me them and click on a button and you get a list of all 200 people. And you're like, okay, there they are. Yeah. And that's, that's super valuable because, you know, you were saying people do with reports the bare minimum of what they need to do. If you can't trust that data, you do less and less because you don't want to do anything that really rocks the boat because you might be wrong. And mm -hmm. so being able to 100% trust that data, super valuable, especially when you're looking at something like click tracking and whatnot, that is, honestly, it's amazing that anything in a browser works. It's really... <laughs> <laughs> it's well, totally, 100%. And that's why, you know, it's it's great when you have a tool like High Level because you can see on the back end the real story. Um, right. 
but I'm, I'm interested to learn a little bit more about like technically how you guys make it happen. Do you, do you like web, do you guys eat web hooks that are coming out of different stages in a pipeline or? It depends on the system. Um, mm -hmm. We do web hooks for some systems, but what we have found is because we ingest so much data, it doesn't make sense to do a one-off for web hooks. So we actually do bulk imports. So every couple of hours we call in to high level or Stripe or Facebook or wherever and say, hey, give us all the new data that came in. And we get 10,000, 20,000 new uh, rows, put them into our database for processing. And then at the same time, we're tracking all the web visits. And so we have all these anonymous people coming in. We have user one, user two, user three, blah, blah, blah. And as soon as they're identified by an email address or clicking on an email that you sent them or any of this other stuff, we're like, oh, this person, number 54321, who we've seen for six months, this is actually Sarah, because we see them in high level. And then we connect all that data together. So you have not only the data from once you start seeing Sarah in high level, but also all that previous data as well that we've kind of stitched back together into there. That's super cool. It's and fun. I mean, we can talk more about the integration later, right? You can go into Segmetrics and find high level and turn it on, I believe. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Pretty straightforward. I but I I'm more interested in talking about some of this fun stuff that I love, like the middle of the funnel, right? I don't yeah. think I'm always really surprised at how little time agencies put into the middle of the funnel and optimizing for the middle yeah. of the funnel. What does that look like? in your mind when, when you say optimizing for the middle of the funnel? I think it's a couple of things. Um, the obvious one that I always look at when I'm looking at middle of the funnel, the one that gets people to really understand what I'm talking about at a really high level is we are a SaaS company. And when people sign up for us, they start a trial. Uh, sometimes they'll get on a, a sales call, they'll get on a kickstart call. There's a number of things that are happening in that flow before they become a customer. And so if I'm using faith, if I'm trying to optimize my Facebook ads, I will say, Hey, Facebook, anyone who signs up, we want them to be tracked as a, as a conversion. Right. And so Facebook, anytime someone signs up, we track them as a conversion in Facebook. And there we go. We're off to town, except it doesn't really matter that they're in our CRM. It doesn't matter that they click sign up because they haven't started a trial. They haven't gotten on a kickstart. They haven't paid us any money. That all happens further down the funnel. So I was talking with my ads guy and he's like, hey, uh, we're getting like $30 leads right now from Facebook. I'm like, this is great. $30 leads? Well, like we can, we can pay for All that forever. Right? Scale yeah. that to the moon, right? And then I looked, I was like, wait, wait, wait. We didn't get 3,000 new trials this week. <laughs> What's going on? And we saw what Facebook was seeing as a conversion was someone putting in their email address. It was not starting a trial. So when we then filter down into, okay, how many of those turned into a trial it was more like four. It was, uh, I think, $800 per trial. Mm. And like, wait, wait, that's a completely different conversation there. Like, mm -hmm. we can't scale that at all. But what we're doing is we're training Facebook to bring us crap leads. Because mm. we had, what is that? Something like 2,000, 3,000 leads that never turned into a trial. That Facebook was saying, yeah, we're doing the right thing. We're sending you good people. And they were not. And so mm -hmm. what we need to start doing is take that middle of funnel conversion or that end of funnel conversion, or even that revenue over lifetime and send that back into Facebook. So we need to be able to identify who are the, where are the good campaigns, who are the good people coming into our funnel, send that information back to Facebook. So they bring us more of those people and not 
people who are just kicking the tires or signing up for a free PDF or any of that kind of stuff. It's the whole, when you look at the whole thing from a zoomed out view, it's really interesting, right? It's hard at Facebook because they're like, you know, our pixel just got blown out of the water by Apple. Mm-hmm. Um, we're doing our best here. And, you know, like you said, at the top of the funnel, it's working great, right? Like yeah, you, you're exactly. telling, like we, we're seeing that, you know, that's happening and that's working really well. And then if you as a marketer do a good job further down the funnel of sending data back, they can know more, right? But, mm-hmm. and, and this is actually interesting. Like we're, we've been having a lot of conversations with Facebook lately and they're making it super clear that they need more data back and they yes. love high level because in our workflow builder, you can use the Facebook conversion API action and you can send data back at, at what any, any point you want, right? And yeah. they're like, look, how do we work together to get more people to do this? Because when we get that data back, we can you know, optimize and, and make things even better. But even if, let's say, Facebook's doing a good job top of funnel, I'm an awesome marketer, I'm sending data back at every way, every step along the way, if, I stink at what I'm a, as a marketer doing in the middle of the funnel, right? I'm going to skew right. what Facebook thinks of the right. people they sent. And so th- it's a very complex chain when you go beyond just that first lead magnet exactly. conversion. You know what I mean? And yeah, and I think it's it's very obvious, I think, for people in sales or people in info products or SaaS or things that naturally have long nurture sequences one of the craziest things we found out is that, you know, e-com, you think of e-com as someone saw an ad and purchased. Mm-hmm. The average time from seeing an ad to purchasing is actually 14 days for e-com, which mm-hmm. blew my mind. Like I was like, <laughs> wait, th- that doesn't make any sense. That goes against everything that every e-com person has ever told me ever. <laughs> and as we as we were crunching all this data through all of our, our customers to kind of prove that this was true, I was buying an iPhone case. And it took me eight days to buy the iPhone case because I I had looked for an iPhone case. I clicked on an ad. I saw what I wanted to get. And I was like, oh, I'm still busy. I put it down. And I came back eight days later and bought it. And as we're seeing that data, I'm like, oh, I just did that myself. And it became very obvious. And if you're just looking at that top of funnel, if you're looking at those limited date ranges, you're like, oh, this person came in from a, a Google search. I'm like, well, not really. I came in from an ad converted from the Google search. And that's e-com. That's still just that plain top of funnel. And that's what's crazy is it's so complicated, even at that top of funnel, which is the simplest part, right? And then you get into like, did they get on a phone call? Who did they get on the phone call with? Did they attend the webinar? What webinar? When did they leave the webinar? Like all of these little cohorts and touch points within there that affect the revenue of someone and like how engaged they are. That's so funny. I, I have two Amazon tabs open right now that I know at some point will get closed because I'll like totally shut down my Chrome at some point or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it'll be, you know, I'll probably buy those two things, but it won't be today. That's for sure. Right. It'll probably be sometime next week. It's actually interesting. Do you know Cossum? Cossum from sounds- uh, Soleil? He's been doing a lot of speaking. He yes. spoke at PNC. Yes, 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 yes. So he's... um. They have a, a really great Google ads, uh, Google paid ads um, agency, and they're at the forefront, I think, of 
experimenting with um, Google's AI product called, uh, it'll come to me. Anyway, mm -hmm. I saw in one of his talks, he was like, you know, how many touch points does it take to get somebody to buy something? And most of the audience, including me, said like seven. I feel like seven mm -hmm. was a number that at some point got ingrained into marketers. As I've like, heard that as well, yeah. And he was like, well, Google's AI actually operates under the assumption that it's 500. Like they won't give up on you until they've made sure you've seen something 500 <laughs> times, <laughs> which moly. is like pretty illuminating, right? Like, you know, we as marketers maybe uh, give it two or three shots, right? right. I, I think a lot of us still strive to do seven, but now the reality is Google's like, no, it's way more than seven. That's and that just goes back to what we're talking about, right? The middle of the funnel. And I think most you know, especially young marketers that learn how to run Facebook ads. We learned this lesson the hard way. It was like walking into a buzzsaw. I remember clearly we were delivering um, $6 Botox leads to a med spa. And mm -hmm. we, we were like, thought we were the greatest agency on earth and that <laughs> they would bow down and kiss our feet. And I remember hopping on a call and the, and the owner was furious and he was just like, none of these people have showed up. None of them have bought anything. Like these are garbage. And yeah. That was just such a big day in my career of like, wait a minute, <laughs> how can there be a disconnect like this? Right. And it was, it's all because yeah, top of the funnel looked great, but nothing was happening um, in the middle to get them to the bottom. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I think is interesting about, man, my camera's just driving me nuts today. <laughs> <laughs> yes. um, it's just not behaving at all. Um, <laughs> One of the things that's interesting that we ran into as well is that it is so difficult for you to set up this tracking and to send it back into Google and Facebook and everyone correctly. Because one of the things that we did when we were testing out some of our Facebook ads is because it was really hard, we decided, oh, when someone fills out the the trial form, we'll send that into Facebook as a conversion, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Well, you know who fills out uh, trial forms a lot is credit card scammers. <laughs> and every time a credit card scammer put one in, it sent it back to Facebook, said, more of these, please. Yep. And we had, we must have had like $10,000 in scammed credit cards coming through us. And fortunately, we had things to stop it. But it's like, we just saw this ramp up of credit card scammers. And it's like, holy crap, we were training Facebook to send us bad people. And mm -hmm. we're, we are pretty we're marketers. We've been doing this for years. We're technologically like adept. And we still made that mistake. It's 100%. Hard. It's super hard. Oh, I mean, we every day we work at it. And I don't think it's a process that one would ever say, job done. Like, you right. know, the middle of the funnel is perfect. Um, but talk to me about how we can improve it. Um, and I think to be a good middle of the funnel marketer, you do have to dip into a bit of psychology, right? right. Like, there's a lot of nuance and a lot of human based reactions going on after somebody, you know, opts in, claims the lead magnet, whatever it is that they did yeah. to get in the funnel. And this is what I think is the most important thing about trying to optimize a funnel and really understand your customer base, which is focusing on what I call outliers, right? So when we look at a funnel, we're generally looking at conversion rate as we go down the funnel. How many visitors did we get? How many opt-ins did we get? How many people got onto the webinar? How many people saw the sales page? How many people converted at the end, right? Mm -hmm. Very simple flow. But what we generally don't do is then look at 
whenever we have a dip in conversion, when we say, okay, people didn't get on the webinar, why didn't they get on the webinar? And in order to understand that, we have to start looking at outliers. We need to start looking beyond just, okay, we had a thousand people come in and only 500 got on the webinar, break it down by industry, by what they opted in for, where they came from. And that's when you start to see not just that top level number of 50% gone the webinar, but we start to see, okay, copywriters are coming to the webinar 80% of the time. Designers are coming only 20% of the time. Developers are coming 10%. Well, obviously, if copywriters are coming to this webinar, then we've done something to make copywriters feel that this is for them. And we've done something to make designers and developers think that it's not for them. Right. So what did we do? What, what can we do to either change the webinar or modify our messaging or something to get those other audiences back? Or if we don't want those audiences, then we need to stop advertising to them and stop bringing them in the funnel in the first place. Hmm. But this is this is the middle of the funnel parts that start letting you be able to optimize your marketing instead of just looking at those top level KPIs. And this is one of the issues that I have with top level KPIs, which is that they kind of hide all the stuff that makes you able to market. Like if I look at a 50% conversion rate for my funnel, I'm like, this is great. This is wonderful. Mm. But then if I dive in and say Facebook ads converted 100% and Google converts at zero, <laughs> we suddenly have a big problem that I didn't yeah. know because I never decided to, to dive in. And so when you are, I really feel that there's two things you need to do. One is... When you're looking at the KPIs, you look at that to understand how things are going overall, but you need to look at each step of your funnel through the eyes of the people going through your funnel and say like, what types of people, what cohorts perform well, who performs poorly and why, what could we be doing that is chasing these people away? And what are we doing that's drawing, that is resonating with these types of people? Yeah, I agree. I think one of the things that's, I think, an easy change to implement is I always have a philosophy of like over tag, like tag people at any place that you can to distinguish something that distinguishes them, because you'll never be in a scenario where you're like, man, wasted so much time tagging people, yeah. right? Like, but the opposite, <laughs> I feel like you find yourself in all the time. It's like, shoot, if I could just filter these people by something I could have so much more insight into what actually is happening here. And so, you know, I think a lot of, hopefully I would bet a lot of listeners right now probably aren't utilizing funnels and high level, or um, I should say pipelines mm -hmm. uh, to the full extent. And I feel like the combination of pipelines and tags can really be uh, an easy, low hanging fruit way of yeah. starting to get more insights so that you can make more decisions. I loved your example, right? Because it's like, maybe in your example, well, shoot, maybe we should just have two different types of webinars, one for these types of folks and one for these types of folks. We tweak the wording and now we'll improve the conversion on both of them, right? But unless you can see what's going on, you can't really make no any conclusions. <laughs> right, exactly. And that's that's the problem is that, and, and I 100% agree with your tag for everything. I find anything that is that is a linchpin, right? That is a point that people could either do or not do that would affect conversion, like registering for a webinar. 
attending the webinar, staying for more than 90 minutes, buying from the webinar, like getting on a sales call, getting on a sales call with Bob or Sarah or John or whoever that is. Any of those levers need to be tagged or have a custom field or something put to them so that you can say, this is the happy path and you can map it out and you can just like say, click, click, click. Here's how they flow through. Here's where all the people drop off. Here's where this cohort does poorly. Here's where this cohort does really well and, and find that happy path through the customer journey. Mm, the happy path. <laughs> the happy <laughs> path is where, is right. where we all need to be. Exactly. Um, I, I really like something else that you said. Uh, I can't remember exactly how you said it, but it made me think of something that I try to do, which is an exercise that, again, would seem obvious. Do it enough. And, and so I feel like most of us don't, which is if I were going through this, what would I think about what I'm seeing right now or what I'm not seeing? And what would be really great is if, if magically landed in my inbox at this point in this right. process. And for me, it always, I'm always like, things just jump out like, oh, it'd be awesome if I got an email that was like, I don't know, whatever it's about, because that would be really helpful at this point. Because that's why I didn't move forward. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it seems obvious, but can you relate to that? A hundred percent. And this is one reason why every quarter we go through the onboarding process at Psychmetrics ourselves. And not just like, oh, let's look at the numbers, but we actually sign up go mm -hmm. through, uh, click the connections or like, oh, that's, oh, that's, I don't like that. Like, or, you know, what would be really good here is to have an email that came in or like a pop-up from our account manager, whoever that is, right? Like, mm -hmm. what are the things that could make this really good? And this is one of the things that I see kind of as a problem with marketers, because we all want a silver bullet. We all want to like have a tool tell us okay, you need to go do this and then you'll make a billion dollars, right? And mm -hmm. that would be great. That'd be wonderful, but it's not realistic. And with all the AI, everyone's like, oh, you need to tell me what I need to do next for my marketing. It's like, it's not, that's the art. That's the art yeah. of marketing. What we can provide and what we do provide is showing you exactly what type of people are performing well, what cohorts, what actions, what touch points do well and do poorly but then you have to make that decision about what you're going to do about that. Mm. And that's, to me, that's also the fun part of marketing, right? It's diving in, getting my hands dirty of like, okay, let's go through this sign up flow. Let's go through everything and see exactly what's going on. And then taking that and turning it into something that makes our customers happy. A hundred percent. And I mean, if you're listening, I hope you're thinking as always with two frames of mind, right? One is for your own business, your agency. And you know, you can go super deep with your own company, right? Like I feel like one of the challenges of being an agency working with clients is it's often tough to go really deep into the psychology of why a client's funnel isn't performing, um, you know, when they're only paying you a thousand dollars a month or something like that. And um, don't worry, Keith will be right back there. <laughs> and I don't know so what's going on with this thing. <laughs> And that's why I think understandably a lot of us, you know, if a client campaign is performing at, let's call it 80% or a B plus, good enough. They're happy. They're going to keep paying, you know, let's package that up and move it on to the next one. Um, but again, I'm always shocked at like low hanging fruit that can be done for clients even. And, and like you said, I agree. I think it's the creative fun side of agency marketing where you get to create those assets that people get 
in the middle of the funnel, right? Like there's so much creative. I, I, I always say someone can make a really great business just focusing on like nurture campaigns, like delivered, you know, what's the industry? Okay, great. Like here's a year's worth of nurture content broken up in text messages and email form and maybe some voicemail audio files or whatever it may be. Um, because I'm always shocked at like how little agencies are doing in between offer claim and Hey, you know, buy or book. It drives me batty. Like, honestly, because (laughs) I think it was Bain and company said like, it is 70 times easier to convert someone that's already paid you once than it is to bring in a new customer. Mm. And yet all these systems are built for acquiring new customers, acquiring new sales. No, very few people focus on nurture of recurring customers and recurring revenue and upsells. And even if you get something like a subscription plan of like, how do we increase that average order value over time? And it's so freaking valuable and it's easy money if you focus on a nurture campaign and if you take the time and figure out what it is your customers really want and then give it to them. Do you have any tips for people who are like, okay, I admit I'm not doing a great job in this area, but how I'm at, I'm, I'm at writer's block. Like what, where do I come up with ideas to create this content? So there's a bunch of good ones. Um, One is, especially for agencies that I, it seems so dorky to me. I, every time I've done it, I've like, this is so dorky and everyone loves it. I just do a roundup email. I, or I used to, when I did the agency, I did a roundup email every week or every two weeks. And I was like, Mm. this is what's going on in the industry. It's not anything specific to you or your uh, account or anything, but this is what's going on in marketing recently. And suddenly I'm the expert teaching them. Like I'm already the expert because I'm, I'm the agency they're working with, but I'm letting them know what's going on just in the world, not just with their account. And nine times out of 10, what happened, people would respond to me. It's like, hey, that's a really important thing. Are we affected by that? Do we need to look at this? Hey, can we build something out like that? And it's like, oh, I just made myself an extra $20,000 from this email because now I have a bunch of people who want to do the same thing that I just happened to be talking about in this email. that's a, I love that's a that very one. simple thing to do. I, I love that one. And I, I call this like um, content DJing, right? Mm. You're just sort of DJing the content of the news and hopefully, you know, putting your slight little spin on it. But like you said, so frequently it leads to replies asking, wait, could you do that for us? Right. Yeah, I could. It's, you know, we don't have like a standard package for that, but we could totally do it if you would like me to work up an invoice or whatever, an estimate for you. Um, and I think this translates to, you know, not just your own agency's marketing for yourself, but for your clients, especially if you niche, right? I feel like this mm-hmm. is one of the big benefits of working within a particular industry is you can then stay on top of the trends of that industry and DJ the content from the latest happenings in the news and this kind of stuff. And, um, and yeah, you know, imagine I could imagine right now, I'm sure somebody just crushed black Friday. Right. right. And then you write a piece about that. So-and-so just did $2 million and black and Friday, this is whatever what they did. Yep. But Hey, the holidays aren't over. Right. So I would imagine a bunch of people are going to put their hand up and be like, your thing reminded me, we'd love to do a gift certificate campaign. Could you do right. that for us? Right. And that's just money in and the bank. It, nope. 
And it also gets over, I think, one of the hangups a lot of agencies have where they don't want to be strong sellers and turn off to their existing clients, right? Like they can be strong sellers to new clients. They're, they're very good at pitching new clients. But with an existing client, sometimes a lot of agencies are very, like they don't want to send out like, hey, are you doing coupons? You should totally do coupons. We can do all the coupons for you because it feels so pushy. But this mm-hmm. is something that is it's um, kind of like priming the pump, right? So you're sending Mm -hmm. information over that you're not saying, hey, we can do this. You're giving the client ideas that they can then bring back to you as if it was their own idea when actually it was yours. Mm -hmm. Totally. How about the creative side of it? Have you had any resources in your uh, journey that you really loved? Books or talks or people that you might follow to help get better at the creative side of Nurture marketing. Very bad at that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I have not done as much recently as I really should. Um, Copy wise, I mainly follow copy hackers. I absolutely love them. Um, Hmm. I swear, this camera—it's just like every ten seconds. (laughs) Um, Ramit Sadi, I still believe. I used to work with him, and he still has some of the best, most engaging copy I have ever read. Who Uh, is that? Just. Ramit Sadi at I Will Teach. Um, Okay. He is, he's just a master. He writes 60 page sales letters and people read the whole dang thing. Like they're (laughs) just so well crafted. He really, he talking about like middle of funnel and emotional journeys. He's very good at hooking people in and under like identifying a pain point and then taking that pain point out through an entire conversation. He's amazingly mm. good at that. And it's honestly, it's like reading almost like a Malcolm Gladwell book where you're just like so engrossed in the story and the flow that you'll just believe anything that that goes through <laughs> the whole thing. It's so well done. Highly recommend checking his stuff out. Um, but him and Copy Hackers, I think, are probably two of the, the big ones as far as uh, content that I watch uh, and read recently. Cool. Appreciate those recommendations. Question for you. Are you guys experimenting or already up and running with um, YouTube ads? I feel like YouTube ads are an incredible opportunity to do more creative storytelling, nurturing uh, for the middle of the funnel that we're certainly going to start ramping up ourselves at a high level. Very much so. So I really like YouTube. The problem with YouTube videos up until now is that they require creating a video. And that's been really Mm. tough for us, uh, especially with my camera cutting out every 12 seconds (laughs) for some unknown reason. Um, But we have actually started putting together a video production pipeline. We were kind of talking about before the call about using Descript. Um, Mm. I got an amazing recommendation from a video editor I know that he uses Keynote and we use Canva to create B-roll. So, you know, when you have all the animations Mm. and stuff you want, and it's like doing that in After Effects or all these motion things is really difficult. You can just put it in Keynote or Canva. You can export it as a video, toss it straight Mm. into Descript, and then use it as interstellar through the the video. And it's been blowing my mind. Like what took us probably like three days before now takes me 20 minutes to make. Oh, and cool. so it's really up the amount of video we can create and the the quality of that video. So we're really trying to push hard on YouTube and TikTok. TikTok's the other one that I hated for so long. I still don't <laughs> use it personally, but man, it is effective. Like, <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. And it's, uh, you know, we don't really have a choice anymore, right? Because now reels are, are 
you know, Facebook and Instagram shifted to all reels. So it's, yeah, it's really interesting, right? Cause now we're, we're thinking about things. It's like, okay, well, what's the, the long form of that. And then what's like the super short TikTok story of that same story or version of that same story. Right. And it's, it's a whole new sort of medium, and, and same I guess. With, same with YouTube shorts, which I yeah. don't think is as popular, but one of the things that we've seen um, so I use Descript to edit everything now. And within Descript, you can highlight like poll quotes and stuff and then click export mm -hmm. and automatically export them to TikTok videos. Uh, mm -hmm. And like in that square shape and everything, it's like it, it. So I'll do a 20 minute, uh, 30 minute lesson and then cut it up into the most valuable parts, automatically export those and then have someone have the media manager upload them into YouTube and everything. And it's, it's just working great. Like. It's I a, was excited to hear flow. when you mentioned before we started recording that you're using Descript or I call it Descript. I don't know which one. I it don't is. know what's, uh, I don't know what's correct, <laughs> but it's really fun. I've been having a lot of fun with yeah. it myself and I'm just starting, just getting started. But I love that feature you mentioned. They call it like they're like the audiograms, I guess. Like, yeah, you can basically yep. just like pick a section and then say, I want it like for social and it makes it like a cool, you know, like text on the screen animated I, thing happening. Yeah, and I found out you can design it for each of the uh, mm -hmm. visuals for each one, and then export them all at once. And it'll, for example, if I want it, um, oh really? Full length, yeah. If I want it full length, it'll have the audiogram. If it's just square, it will only have the text, and like I can kind of move stuff around so that it's cropped correctly for each of the video formats. Hmm, that's cool. I have to try to get them on the show because I feel like um, if you've never tried it before, editing video via editing the text is like sounds super strange but it's actually incredible it, it's great like removing a single word or like even moving blocks around it's like oh i wanted to do this section first just copy paste the whole thing and move it over mm -hmm. yeah it's it's honestly been a game changer for me yeah it's really interesting i i think scaling video for clients is going to be something that I think we're going to see a lot more people figure out yeah. probably in 2023. I think that's always been a real challenge is like, how do you get your clients to do anything with video? It's um, tough. Yeah. But I think the tools are getting so good that you could probably just do it for them at this point. If you, if you had a good process down. But I haven't played around with this, but I know that they have a, um, an AI voice thing. So you get someone, mm -hmm. you record your own voice into there and then you can type and it will stay it in your voice. Like I haven't played around with it, but I'm just imagining a day where it's like, you tell your client, Hey, talk into this for like 10 minutes. And then you write out all these scripts. It's like, and now totally. I'm writing. <laughs> Be crazy. Totally. I have used it a couple of times. I think for me, it's been like 50, 50, half the time. It sounds awkward and the other half it's mm -hmm. close enough where you can run with it, but obviously it's only going to get better. And I think I only read like the two minute training script and not the 10 or whatever. So I could right, probably right. do a better job of that. But, mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, speaking of 2023, what, what do you guys have on the horizon? What are you guys excited about Lots for next year? Yeah. Lots of stuff. So one of the biggest, kind of things that we have been working towards is what we call segmetrics essentials. And mm. what it is, is one of the big pieces of feedback. And I guess complaints that we get is that segmetrics has a learning curve to start to use because it's a powerful piece of business intelligence software. We and, can relate to that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we've gotten away with it through kickstarts and like training calls. We get on call with every single person who signs up. 
and really handholding and VIP stuff. But there's people who don't want all that power. They just want to log in and they want the most important things for their setup, for their audience and for their um, funnels that they have set up. So what we have been building out is essentially kind of an algorithm-based reporting tool where when you sign up, it looks at what are you, what CRM are you using? What's, uh, what payment gateway are you using? What ads are you using? And then you answer a few questions like, how are you tracking people through a funnel? What are your biggest segments? Blah, blah, blah. How are you tracking those segments? Um, and then it builds out, I think we have eight at launch, different reports that tell you the most important things that you need to be looking at for your business. And it's like, okay, how long does your e-com, how long does it take not just from purchase to, uh, or from sign up to purchase, but from first click to purchase? What's that average order value? How long does it take for someone to be worth, how how much does someone increase in value over time? That kind of stuff. So all mm -hmm. of this stuff that's very important for your specific business, we're building the customized reports to automatically fill in all that data for you uh, right away. So you can just log in, look at your stuff, see what you need to do. And then if you want to go deeper in, click on that report, go into the business intelligence side, which we have now, and really dive deep into it. But it gives people an easier way to get into Segmetrics and understand all the power there without having to do everything themselves. Hmm. That's pretty interesting. Hmm. Do you guys have uh, like a university or a training series? Because I feel like a lot of folks were probably you know, uh, I'd probably make the assumption that a lot of folks segmenting in general is new, you know, like it, just it the is. concept. Yeah. There's, I think people think about it a lot, but don't really know like what they would segment on and mm -hmm. how to get, how to get started. And so we do have a lot of, uh, courses and stuff that we do teach about that. We do, uh, Every two weeks, we do webinars, training webinars and stuff like that for hmm. um, our list, lots of Q&As and stuff like that, because really that is the most important part is how do you start to understand your funnel? How do you optimize your funnel? And overall, it's really how do you ask good questions? Like mm -hmm. the, I think the core of improving your funnel and your marketing is like asking the good questions so that you can get a solid answer and then optimizing towards that. Oh, I a lot love of people, that. yeah, a lot of people don't know what they want to know. They want, they, they come in and say, I want to know what's my best ad. It's like, what does that mean? They're like, I don't know the best one. I'm like, well, let's, let's, let's go through that a little bit more and let's figure out what best means for you because it mm -hmm. best means something different for everyone else. That's really interesting. And I feel like that triggered a memory of, uh, I feel like a big leap we took at our agency was when we we focused in the med spa, like we niched further down and into that specific industry. And we kind of got into segmenting and mm -hmm. we had a really great client who kind of, we worked through this with, and by doing that exercise and adding that step in the funnel, right? Cause we were very focused claim book, claim an offer, book the appointment or book the consultation yep. or the whatever. And you know, this client really helped us like, no, I don't want just everyone booking, you know, like I want certain type or segment of these leads to book. And so once we built out that step in the funnel, it was really eye-opening. And then it led to way better sales conversations um, with future clients. Cause it was like, 
okay, great. Now tell me, do you guys do this or this? And they're like, oh, we, we do that. And then like, okay, cool. And then what, you know, do you guys do, what type of body sculpting do you do? And, you know, insurance, like these key questions that tell your prospective client that you know the industry inside and out. Right. And that they are like, oh, wow, I didn't even think to kind of filter the way that you're talking about doing right now. You know what I mean? That would lead to Oh, that's great. You mean the only people that I would actually waste time, you know, sp- not waste, spend time talking to are, you know, people who meet these criteria and not waste right. time like I do now with people who are never going to qualify. And so I feel like that was a big step for us, uh, you know, getting to that point. Yeah, very much so. And I think it's something that at the beginning, when you're starting that process, you don't really think about because you just want everyone in. But mm-hmm. as you start to realize, like, oh, we don't want to work with anyone who has less than 10 people in their company because it's not going to be worth it. We don't want any, we don't want to work with anyone who doesn't have a nurture sequence already because we have nothing to optimize, right? Um, Mm -hmm. You start to understand what are the segments, what are the questions that you need to ask on that intake form, on that outreach, in those ads even, and try to push that as far up the funnel as possible. So you're not even marketing to people who don't fit that uh, specific segment that you want. But in order to find that segment, you have to have a tool that lets you be able to see who is converting the best. We we actually did this recently. We thought Ecom was our biggest best customer. Hmm. Um they we thought they made up 80% um especially during COVID they were exploding and we did a lot of analysis and Ecom is not our best customer. Info products and SaaS are our best customers. Hmm. Ecom we have a lot of but for dollar to dollar amount after 6 months Info products and SaaS just beat them handedly. And the reason is, is because e-com is such a low margin industry. And during COVID, it was really going up, but then COVID kind of slowed down, drop shipping got more difficult and mm-hmm. the companies folded. And our e-com customers, nine times out of 10, the reason they canceled is like, we're not in business anymore. Yeah. But they did. didn't last. Yeah, I, you know, I feel like Twitter two years ago, it was just all e-com like yeah just drop ship something or you know import something and sell it on shopify and now i feel like hardly hear people talking about it at all anymore it's all about brand building now and so it was interesting because a lot of the e-com features like we, we focus on middle of funnel and drop shippers do not want middle of funnel because they have one product and they're drop shipping and they're done and now the e-com customers we have are very focused on middle of funnel. They're focused on building a brand, on getting customers to purchase again and again about building something sustainable. Mm. And so the e-com customers we have now after that whole dropship are doing much better with segmetrics and are becoming more valuable over time because they're focusing on things that are building a business instead of essentially just, okay, how do we make as much money as humanly possible and then shut it down. We had one guy, he uh, he had four businesses with us in uh, in order. So he had one, it uh, it stopped being profitable. So he shut it down, started up another one, shut it down, started up another, but they were all drop ship. And he was like, well, this product stopped being um, popular. So I stopped selling it. And now I'm selling this one. Mm-hmm. Like, it was crazy. It was mind blowing. So you just made a really interesting point, right? And I think, th- th- again, this is another one that seems obvious, but didn't dawn on me until pretty far into my career as a marketer. We think of a funnel as top down, right? Mm. And the middle of the funnel is the middle. And just like I said, we were very focused on claim something for free. Now you're in the top and then we're going to nurture you into booking and then buying. 
Mm-hmm. But once you buy, you you actually get re-injected into the middle of the funnel, right or back. you should, yep. right? And so I think what you're, you're you've talked about several times in this episode is middle of the funnel as being people who've already purchased once. Let's mm-hmm. get them to purchase again, right? And it, you know we talk about this as reactivation a lot, right? And and so I think that visual, if you're listening on podcast, you can't see what I'm doing with my hands, but <laughs> hopefully I'm doing a good enough job of describing this. When someone gets to the bottom of the funnel, they actually loop around to the middle, right? And I think a lot of people just let them sit there. But what we're talking about is having great nurture in place to get them through the bottom again. And th- then it becomes yeah. like a loop through the middle to the bottom. And that's really what you want, right? And I think, you know, we as an agency, and, and I've seen this a lot, is marketers, as they progress through their journey, start to understand it's like the lost leader at, at like a, a brick and mortar store, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of times we would run ads for something that you know wasn't super profitable for the client, but we had a really solid reactivation plan to get people upsold into the higher stuff. And that can work very, very well. I think a lot of marketers fail because they try to go, they tell, they ask their client, what, what do you want? Oh, I want, you know, more of my best selling thing. Right. Right. And that can be kind of hard, right? A lot of, no one's just going to show up and buy that off Facebook. So I feel like the strategy of lower ticket, get them in and then do a really good job of looping them back through is something that um, probably takes a lot of time for marketers to learn, but is really what we're talking about is being most powerful. Yeah, and it's the um, I I can't remember what the psychological term is. I think it's the power of yes, um, but it's the idea of once you've said yes to something once, mm. it's much easier to say to it again, even if the first thing's really small because you're already in a mm-hmm. yes mode. So it's like, oh, I'm gonna get a book shipped to me for free plus shipping, so it's only a dollar. Yes. Oh, I can spend twenty more dollars to get this. Okay, yes. Like mm-hmm. it's a much easier conversation than when you first start because you've already been convinced to start that process. Sure. And that's it's just super valuable. And that yeah. And you've already yeah. seen a lot along the way, right? Oh, it showed up with a fun Saw little the sticker. Value. Exactly. And the book was pretty good and like they sent me a voicemail letting me know that I could send it back if I didn't like it or whatever. It yep. just yeah, so I think, you know, that that's probably a good lesson that we just unearthed here if you're young in your journey. Um, it's not always wise to just try to go right at the highest ticket, juiciest thing that your client wants to sell. Oftentimes you need to bring people into the funnel with a lower ticket, easier sell, but have a really good strategy of working them up to that, uh, that stuff that your clients really want to see moving. Definitely. Definitely. Keith, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, the website is segmetrics.io, but you mentioned that you guys do a lot of webinars and training and stuff. Where mm-hmm. should somebody go if they want to join your list? Is that, can they join you if can, they're not customers? Yeah, definitely. So you can go to segmetrics.io and join there, or you can go to uh, courses.segmetrics.io. There's also a list there. That's our university page. It uh, has all of our courses that you can watch. And that and that also signs you up for the newsletter to see uh, our weekly webinars. Awesome. And you, you sort of tease something new that you guys have that new essentials program. Mm-hmm. Um, What's your timeline? What are you guys shooting for to get that out? We are shooting second week of January, knock on wood. So we'll see how <laughs> that goes. It's a it's a big process. Uh, there's a lot of moving parts, but I think we're on track to get it done. So I'm very excited. Cool. Awesome. Well, segmetrics.io guys, if you guys are interested in checking it out, they do have a high level integration. 
a lot of good training materials. And definitely I would hop on that list if you're interested in joining any of their upcoming webinars. Keith, thanks so much for dropping by. Chase, thanks so much for having me, man. Super fun. Hope to see you again soon. Thank you guys for watching. We'll see you in the next one.